I thank you for what you're busy with. I thank you for this morning. I thank you for just the incredible God that you are. I have a picture from Isaiah, like, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Yeah, so, like these guys have said, last night we were at a, a conference, this exalted conference, and um, Francis Chan spoke. I was very tempted to just copy his message from start to finish. Um, partly, he just he got up and he, he, he spoke, and he's just, the theme of this conference was Isaiah 6, and beholding that God, just lifting your gaze and seeing God, seeing Him on His throne. And he started just by saying, actually, just close your eyes and imagine... God's throne here. It was a lot more impressive because it was in Moraleta. So it had like 7,000 seats and this huge auditorium. And he's like, imagine God's throne was here. And the train of his robe filled the auditorium. And it's like, you got this picture. It's like, actually, this, imagine that it would be huge. And he's like, God is sitting on his throne. And there's the seraphim that are there and they, what, they're covering their face with their wings and they're covering their feet with their wings because they're they, they not holy enough and not pure enough and they're flying around and saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And that's shaking the ground and that's what we, we're sitting in. And it's like, that's the God that we serve. And he's like, he had a revelation when he was a kid is like, when we pray, this is the God we pray to not some made-up God, not this genie that's just there at your beck and call, not somebody that's just there like, hey God, my life's not what it should be. What are you doing? You're not doing what you need to do. And I think we've got this attitude that it's like, sometimes we go to God and I can see us Lewis's words, we've got God in the dock, we've got Him on trial of like, okay, you want me to serve you, prove that you're good. Like, if you heal me, then I'll serve you. If you come through for me in this, and it's like, oh man, actually, just saying those words, like, if this is God, what would you say to him? Just change my perspective, like, completely. And the whole, the, the night before, Andy Bird was talking about this same verse, because the same theme of the, it's like that they almost knew that it was the theme of the conference or something. Like <laughs> and he, he was talking, and similar to what my mom was praying, of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and like, they were actually the guys that were thrown into the fire and the, this furnace. And it's like, actually, like what saved them was the, the burning inside of their heart was greater than the fire that they were cast into. And he's like, actually, because we serve the one who has like a fire in his eyes and he wants to place a fire in your heart and get you so captivated by what he's doing that your problems just pale in significance to that. Not that your, your problems and your challenges aren't real. I don't want to like diminish that. But actually, in light of God, it's like I, I, I can have hope that they can be overcome. And even if they don't, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're like, even if He doesn't save us, we will still praise Him. Like, I believe God can set you free and He can heal you and you can change your finances and He can change your situation. But He doesn't need to do that for you to worship Him. You can worship Him in spite of your circumstance. And in eternity, you will understand all of it. You will understand why. You will understand why he, he did it. It's, it's, we, we might not understand it all now, but we will one day. 
And he was talking about like these hearts burning and especially this young generation. And he invited everybody, what, 30 years and under to come to the front. And I'm like, oh man, what the freak are we chopped liver? <laughs> it's like, I'm like, I used to be those guys that would be called to the front. And I'm like, okay, getting old now, the gray hair. And it's like, so while they had all these young people like charging to the front, Tristan was the only one that could actually go to the front. And <laughs> At least we had a representative. Uh, and while they were praying for them, I, I stood up and I walked to the back. And like, I wasn't leaving. I wasn't upset. But, but there was something. I, I looked on the faces of a lot of the people that were in the chairs that weren't. And there was something of like, oh, they were... Like, because the, the guy's heart was like, man, there's a new young generation. And, and we're going to raise up this generation that's going to change the world. And there was, a, like, there was a, just a sadness in the eyes of the people that were still in the chairs of like, am I excluded in this? Like, why is it only young people that are included in this? And like, I, I, I don't know. Like, for me, I'm like, the next move of God is everybody. It's not just the young people. Young people, yes, you are included. And like, you, you can show us something. But... There was just, there was a fire in the eyes of the people that were sitting there saying like, I, I want to be there too. I want to go too. I was reading about Abraham, 75 years old when he got, he was called. Like you are 75 and under, come, you run to the front and say like, actually, you're included. You are called. You have a, a part to play in us. And that's none of my message and maybe I'll start a timer. <laughs> So, part of what I was thinking was, actually in 1 Timothy, like one of the, the scriptures that God used to speak to me was this 1 Timothy, and it says, I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how you ought to behave in the household of God. That's us, the church. We're a household, we're a family, we're, which is the church of the living God. The church of the living God. He's not the God of the dead. He's not some deistic God that's created everything and He's distant. He's the living God. He's active. He's involved. He's involved in our life. He's, and we are the pillar and the buttress of truth. It's like, not only are we the foundation of truth, but we're actually the pillar. We hold it up and we declare the truth and we built upon the truth and that's who we are. And I'm like, yes, I am partly a teacher at heart and I love this and I love truth and I love understanding it and we're a church that's going to stand for the truth and then I didn't realize that it actually carries on after that it's like great indeed we confess is the mystery of godliness there's a mystery of godliness because he's saying I want you to know how to behave and all through Timothy he's talking to various different people on how you're supposed to behave because I'm I'm not there but I want to be there and but I want you to understand what you're supposed to do He's like, great indeed is the mystery of godliness. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated by the Spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. The mystery of godliness is Jesus. He's shown us, like, the angels long to look into, like, but I don't understand, Jesus, what, what, how is this salvation working? God becoming a man, what, what does that mean? Like, how? How can you... Like, 
humans don't understand that. Other people, like in other religions, they believe that would be blasphemous for God to become man because it's like, ah, oh, he'd dirty himself like that. How, why would he belittle himself like that? No, the beauty of godliness is that God was willing to lower himself to understand what it's like to be human, to relate to us, to sympathize with us, to suffer like us, to be tempted like us, and yet be perfect. So that, like in doing that, he makes a way for us to come back to this God. And that's the godliness that Paul is writing to Timothy to try and like encourage and to try and stir up. Because he's writing to like various different people and Timothy's always been one of my favorite books because it's like an older mentor writing to a young man. And I always thought of myself as a young man. And I used to think of myself as a young man. I'm studying like Timothy and it's like, ah, oh, it's like young man. And I'm like, in my head, I, I always heard that Timothy was like a 40-year-old guy. So I'm like, okay, cool, I'm not quite there yet. And it's like, whew, I still got time. And then I'm studying it now, and they're like, oh, no, he's probably 30 to 35. I'm like, ah, oh, man, <laughs> I missed it. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> I was close, and it's gone now. But he, he's, he's writing to everybody, and he says, I want you all to pray. Yeah. To, to, first thing, pray. Learn how to pray. Learn how to take our problems, take our challenges, take our issues in church, our, our disagreements, our longings, our hurts, our pains. Take it to God in prayer. Learn to pray for what you see is wrong before complaining, before changing, before coming up with a strategy, before we fix it. I've had to learn this. Like, I think what I'm called to is to pray and to preach. As much as I would love to fix the problems, to, to change, to have an opinion, to have a strategy, I just realized, like, man, I, I came in to planning a church and I had like, I know how this works. And it's like, no, you don't. It's like, no, but I know how it works. No, you don't. People change slowly. We change over a lifetime. We change over years of relationship. We want a quick fix. We want a program. We want to, okay, let's do this course. And then we put the right things in place. And I'm just like, that's not how people work. I was chatting to Stephen and he's like, He's talking about dating, and he's like, oh, no. Um, he's got a cool shirt on today, actually. It's like, <laughs> yeah. And it reminded me of the guy. He's like, oh, what's the biggest thing about, like, your daughter dating? What's the hardest thing about dating? He's like, no, hiding the bodies. <laughs> and he's like, honestly, actually, I'm lying. It's not that hard to hide the bodies. <laughs> And, but he was joking, obviously joking, and because the reality is, if you're at that stage, it's actually too late, because you, you can't step in and fix people with rules and regulations. If the law has shown us anything, it's like, if you tell me not to do something, whew, man, even if I wanted, like, it's, it's still inside of me. It's like, last night at the worship thing, stand up, raise your hands. I sit down and I put my hands in my pockets. <laughs> I just like, I don't, is it just me? Rebecca feels me. I know that. It's like, come to the front. Well, now I'm gonna stay here. <laughs> you invite me to come to the front. Maybe I'll come. If you invite me to, uh, maybe. And we're all the same. And that's the way people change. Actually, through example and invitation. So that's why, like, 
church-wise, I've realized like, man, actually, I'm going to take my hands off more and more and more and say, God, you've given me a role to play. But actually, you need to change hearts and change lives and trust that he leads each and every one of us into the fullness of what he has. And step by step, we actually build relationship and we learn to love each other and we learn to care for each other and we learn to grow in our discipleship. And I think through that, we will start seeing the effects. Because I think we, we have been in church for quite a while and we, we love talking about church. And I'm like, church is the, the end, like the byproduct of seeing Jesus and being transformed. We can't aim at a good church and hopefully get Jesus. It doesn't work that way. We can't get all the systems, all the programs, all the, the fun, like every course in place, every system. It's like, it doesn't work. We aim at Jesus and through transformation of hearts and lives, then we start reaching out and we start loving and then we'll see change. Okay, that's not even the first point. Cool. So it's speaking to like everybody and then he speaks to men and he's like, don't fight, but actually lift your hands and pray. Women, actually dress appropriately. Learn. Raise kids like love people. It's like we, we, he starts giving very practical advice. As older men, treat them like fathers. Love them. Care for them. How do you treat your father? You don't correct your father by like, hey, dad, stop it. Like, stop it. It's like, actually, no. I, I, can't, I can't step into Anton's life and like say, hey, Anton, you've got to fix these things. It's like, no, man, he's lived a life. I come with respect and say, you know what? I need to learn from you. I love you. I, I can maybe... I can show you what God has shown me, but we, we have to learn and learn to lead each other carefully and slowly. And younger men, we treat them like brothers. We're alongside each other. We care for each other. Younger women, it's like sisters. Older women, like mothers. In purity, in love, in care and concern. We need to learn to relate to each other like this. He speaks to, to widows and he's quite firm. It's like, the, the church, early church would look after widows, but he's like, don't, don't let the widows in unless they're actually 60 years old because otherwise they might just go off and get married again and you've taken responsibility. And now it's like, actually, rather let them go and get married and find other ways to, to, to be cared for and don't let them into to being cared for unless they're actually participating in what is here. And it's... It's a different cultural context, so it's like we can't just say, okay, we've got a, a line here, 60, and it's like, if you're not serving the church, we don't help you at all. It's like, the Bible says it, so it's like, oh, I'm sorry. It, but, but it's saying, like, do you, do you appreciate what God is doing here? Are you a part of it? Are you open to what God is doing? Are you participating? Then I think there's going to be benefits and there's going to be fruit to it. And, yeah, it talks to elders, like... And it's like, you must be above reproach. Actually, your character, everything. And that's the primary reason why I'm very slow to, to require and demand or even ask like, for you to come and serve at church, to ask you to do this. Because it's like, until I'm doing everything I know to do, it's like, I don't know if it's my place to actually put something else on you. It's like, at least I'm slow to do that. I'm saying, I want to be an example in what I am doing first and foremost, then invite you in to participate as much as possible. And then the amazing thing is the deacons, who's the, like, 
the next round of people that are serving the church almost have exactly the same requirements. And it's like they need to be people that are worthy of respect. Leadership in church is not supposed to be a position that is lauded over others. It's a place of service. It's the people that we recognize. Actually, you are already an example to us. For me, the way that Warren loves people and serves and is an example already. It's like he's worthy of respect. Why? Because I have seen him go out of his way to reach out to young men, to invite them to his house at his own expense, feed them, love them, and care for them consistently for years. If you have a a son that's going through something, Warren's the guy to speak to because he will love him and he'll be consistent and he'll reach out and he'll reach out. He can't fix the problem, but he'll be a consistent, safe place for people to turn to. That is worthy of respect. He talks to slaves and servants and he's like, we can't change the, the cultural like, construct, but he's like, actually, you can serve with dignity because then maybe your, your um, boss or your master will be won over, will be won over and transformed by it. And then finally, he talks to actually, oh man of God, he talks to Timothy. And I want to say like, actually, oh man of God and oh woman of God, all of you that are dedicated to God, Flee these things. Flee the, the, the things that are wrong and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach. Until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time, he who is the blessed and sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. It's like, that's our charge. He actually is charging Timothy. He's like, I charge you to do what I've asked you to do. In light of Jesus coming, and this is who Jesus is. And the same thing for each and every one of you. It's like you've got a charge. You've got a a role to play in this. And for Timothy, it was to actually confront the false teachers. Because that was his role to play. For, For each and every one of you, it's going to be a different charge. And there's a charge for you. Like if you're a man or woman of God, be dedicated to this. To dedicate it to what God has called you to. So, it's maybe easier for me to make a direct um, comparison. Last week I spoke a little bit on being a bit sick. And this week, yeah, we went to Sun City. We had this great week and I started feeling a little bit better. started enjoying our time there. We were blessed by Michelle's father. Um, It was for his birthday, so he blessed us there. And we went to the buffet breakfast and Coca-Cola was there. And they they sponsored like these fruit juices. So I'm like, woo, cool, these... Like a nice, uh, like down in these orange juice. And I'm like, wow, this is great. And yeah, loads of food, bacon, this and this and this. And then started showing my age and I started limping because I got gout. (laughs) And I'm like, oh man, I'm really not as young as what I used to be. (laughs) Fortunately, I looked it up and it's like, it's, 
like basically it is the disease of royalty. <laughs> and I was like, but that's a bad thing. It's because only the royalty could afford to eat enough meat and like, I don't know, whatever it was that actually caused it. Ah, oh, man. So I, I just realized like I've got this, this incredible sensitivity in my toe and it just, it affected everything. It affects absolutely my entire life because that was like this ridiculous pain and it's just like one toe. It's like it's, it's not even this big deal, but that's where Riker jumps on me and he lands on my toe. And I'm like, ah, on my toe. And then I, like, I realized like it changes everything. So my like, whole calf is sore because I'm walking funny and like it affects everything. And then we get to the conference and Tristan stands on my foot and it's like, ah, just like has to be that toe <laughs> and then we're walking in and I stub my toe and I'm like that toe again <laughs> and I just realized like when we've got a sensitivity like when we've got a hurt when we've got something where it's like that's my issue it affects everything because everything we go to it's like it just so happens that that's the toe that gets hit you always talk about guys that come to church and they, like their sensitivity is money. Hey, money's going to be preached on that day because that's the that's the the sensitive spot, and it might not even always be that. But it's like I might have stubbed both my toes and people stood on everything, but I didn't feel it because I only felt where I was sensitive. Like gout is. If you, if you know what it is, it, like, it literally forms needles like kind of inside of your, your joint. So when it presses there, it is like you're being stabbed by thousands of needles at the same time. There's apparently a story of Dingan who struggled with it and one of his guys walked past and stood on his toe and he stabbed him. He's like, Dan, you, you have no idea how painful this is. You deserve to die. <laughs> I just stood on your toe, but you deserve to die. It's like... And I relate. That's how painful it is. <laughs> kind of makes sense. But like the, the, the problem was that this was actually my own fault. Like my sensitivity was my own fault. Because it was what I put in. It's like it's because of what I was eating led to my sensitivity. It's like my overeating or my overdrinking or whatever it was, my... It's like it's a combination of my, my eating, not taking like the right medication and then like stressing about stuff because I had like a, an assignment due and I've got church and then I had like a week where I, I just couldn't do anything. So I was stressed about not doing what I was supposed to do. And it's my, my own fault that combination of these factors I think led to this. And I think the same thing with our sensitivities. It's like... We've been hurt by somebody, but then we've meditated on it and we've nurtured it and we haven't. It's like that person hurt us. You know, the Christian thing to do is to forgive them, but it's like, no, they haven't said sorry. So I'm going to hold on to it. It's like, you, you know, you're supposed to forgive it. No, 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 no. I, I forgive, but I don't forget. <laughs> no, I, I don't know if you've forgiven yet then. No, no but you don't know what they did. They, they haven't seen like, it's like, yeah, but you, you have to forgive. And it's like you, you hold on to it and we nurture this. And I 
chatting to my mom and she had a good indication. It's like me with this gout and I go to the doctor and I'm sitting there in the waiting room and I'm hoping that somebody knows that I've got gout. And the doctor will come and he will know that I've got gout and he'll like, have I spoken to anybody? No. I'm, I'm hoping that he'll figure it out. And I think we, we, we kind of do the same at church. We come and like it's, it's because of our own dignity and our own protection. And maybe you try to open up before and it didn't get received well. And it's like, hey, maybe it was just a bad doctor. Like maybe it was, they didn't actually give you the, the answer that you needed. But then sometimes, like, hey, we have opened up and the doctor's given you the prescription. And it's like, hey, I'm really struggling with forgiveness. It's like, yeah, but you need to forgive because you need to understand how much you've been forgiven. So you've been given the right diagnosis, you've been given the right medication. It's like if I was given this like, medication and I know what I need to do to fix the gut, but I don't do it. And I go home and I'm sitting and it's like, this is really sore, that doctor did nothing. It's like, no, he gave you the medication. Like, no, but like, it's not working. It's like, where's the medication? Yeah, it's sitting over there in the packet. I think the same thing with us, with with church, with like God, it's like we know that God's available. He's the great physician and it's, we know that He's right there. It's like, uh, church is not the physician. I'm not the physician. It's like God is the physician. Like, He's got the answers for you. But He's not fixing it. How much time have you spent with Him? How much have you actually implemented what He's given you? How? No, like, that's not the point. Like, God hasn't fixed it. It's like, no, but He's given you the answers. They, they t- they're tough at times. And they're really difficult. It's hard to forgive sometimes. But that doesn't mean we mustn't do it. And I, I, I don't know what it is that each and every one of us are, are struggling with. But we have to take it to God and listen to His diagnosis. And then implement that diagnosis if we want to be free of it. And like, honestly, I, I feel like God gave me or allowed this gout or like just for me to understand how painful it is because I, I don't know what each and every one of you are struggling with. And some of it's emotional, some of it's psychological, some of it's spiritual, some of it's just life is tough. And it's like I understand because, man, this gut affects everything. It affects the way I walk, affects the way I drive. Fix the way I set up for church. It fix the way I preach. It fix the way I stand here. Because I can feel it right now. And that same thing is happening in each and every person. Where it's like, that sensitive spot. It's like, anytime you get anywhere near it. It's like, you actually want to lash out. Or you want to react. Or whatever it is. And it's like, actually, God wants to come and bring healing. And He wants to bring freedom and transformation. And... Part of the reason why I was thinking, like I've got this gut, is actually because I wasn't able to exercise and relieve some of the stress. And because when I exercise, I drink more water. And then I'm, so when I wasn't exercising, I wasn't drinking water. So it's like everything gets like blocked up. And part of what you have when you're exercising is often you'll have a gym buddy. And like going to gym, it's like when you have a gym buddy and you stay at home, it's not you that misses out. It's your gym buddy that misses out. And I think the same thing with church, where it's like, okay, there's a temptation for us to stay at home, and it's like, oh, 
Now, gym buddy is supposed to phone us and make sure we come to gym. It's like, no, it's the other way around. You go to gym for your gym buddy. It's like, for what you add. It's like, at, at church, we, we want you here, not, like, not only because we will miss you when you're not here, but actually, when you come, you add something that's, like, we lose out when you're not here. When Tristan and Warren go gymming together and Warren stays at home, Tristan is worse off because he's at the gym without Warren. Like, in a sense, Warren's... Yeah, okay. Well, maybe bad analogy, but... <laughs> so I think the sensitivity that we feel comes from... One, it comes from hurt, it comes from pain, it comes from... And it may have been terrible things that have been done to you. But you have to find healing. And the only place to find healing is at Jesus. And then it could also be from sin. From things that you are doing that is wrong. That is actually holding you back. And because every time you touch on a subject and you know that it's something that you're struggling with, you're sensitive. It's like, hey, don't touch that. Don't, don't press there. You, like that's the thing with the money. It's like, yeah, there's a sin there because there's idol there of money. That's why you're sensitive. And the Bible's answer to that is actually come and confess your sins one to another. Like, there's, there's something that we, like a Protestant church here, so we look down on Catholics for having this confession. I'm like, I think we've lost something by not having public confession to somebody. Because there's a fear of us being exposed. I've seen that multiple times with people that are in our church, maybe they're struggling marriage-wise. Hey, but I can't talk to you. I need to go to speak to someone else. I'm like, I, I, I think I see what's there. Because the reality is, you actually don't want to be vulnerable. And it's not just married people, it's all of us. We don't want to be vulnerable and to confess the worst parts about us. Because, well, then you'll know. Then you'll know what, what I struggle with. Then you'll know. And what if you don't accept me? What if I struggle with this in the future again? It's like, it's one thing. It's like, hey, I'm... It's like, it's easy to tell a testimony. It's like, hey, I used to be, like, addicted to drugs. But I, I don't struggle. What if, what if you struggle again? Can, can you open up again? And again? And again? And again? Because the reality is, how we change is two steps forward, often one step back. And two steps forward and one step back. And maybe another step back. And but it's like, actually, we're, we're a place where you can be loved. And my challenge is that, actually, can you be vulnerable? Will, will you confess to each other? I, I don't know what it looks like. I don't want to implement like a whole new thing and say, hey, we're not going to have a confession booth where you come and they bless me. Father, Father. But there is a powerful element to hearing your sins are forgiven. And we have the power and authority to say that because we know the gospel. Not in and of ourselves, but because we know the gospel that if you come and confess your sins and I can see there is an authenticity to your repentance, I can confidently say, you know what, your sins are forgiven because of what Jesus did. Yeah, yeah. Done. So you can actually have the authority to forgive sins. Not because of your own ability, but because of what Jesus has done. It's like, I can actually say, you know what, Warren, your sins are forgiven. Forgiven. You are clean. You are washed clean. Not because of Martha, but because of the authority of the word. 
last area of sensitivity is we actually we're sensitive because we have a gift in that area. It's not even a negative thing, it's a positive thing. It's like you can see there's a need for that. Like I, I think of Amy or Rebecca with like serving, like there's an element of them seeing a gap and because of that they're sensitive to the need for it. And the positive element is like Rebecca has started a group to set up and it's like it has revolutionized my mornings here for genuine. Like it has helped so much just by one operating, like one person operating in their gift with like a, hey, there's a WhatsApp group. If you want to participate, come and be a part of it. And it's like just a sensitivity to a need. How much more with each and every one of us operating in the gift? It's like where you see a need, like actually step in there. Because you see it. Other people don't see it that way. I was thinking of using examples of like, if we, we put up like a maths problem. Like I showed Michelle this maths problem the other day and it's just, it's like how my brain works. I'm like, oh, I love it and I want to figure it out. I think some of you, it's like, hey, whoa, that's not for me. <laughs> but then you put up like a baking thing and I was thinking, other Michelle, I'm like, hey, whoa, that's not for me. <laughs> I do not know. I, I'll, I'll burn eggs. And it's like... <laughs> But Michelle would understand, like, hey, you know what you need to do? You need these ingredients, and you need to do this, and you do it in this way. And, like, there's tips and techniques, and there's creativity. And it's like, she just operates in that naturally. Like, she brings stuff to design stuff, and she adds value. And single mom, three kids, and she adds value far beyond, like, what she takes, in a sense. It's like, everyone can do that. In your own unique way. So, yeah. Part of me wanted to say genuinely like come out and it's like this is the way of godliness and Paul writes in Timothy and he's writing to Timothy that you have to confront the teachers and you have to stop people from going after this Gnostic weird clever things and it's like I see some of that Gnostic teaching rising up in the church at the moment where people are looking after the looking for the next thing and it's like I, I need to understand how the spiritual world works and the this and the that because then I'll be free it's like, you don't need that you need Jesus and you need to actually put into practice the basics of what you do know yeah. we don't need to go back to the law when like practice all of the religious things and because those are the two tendencies like either we go back or we try and like go beyond what jesus has given us it's like no the challenge is to actually just take what jesus has given us and implement it and the problem is i I don't think we've what's it it's like um christianity hasn't been found like um what's it too hard it's it's like it's we just haven't actually implemented it properly and so often we'll say, like, man, I tried that Christian thing and it didn't work. It's like, no, we actually, we haven't just implemented it wholeheartedly in our lives. So, like I said, part of me was, like, I, I, I love to, to say, this is the church we're supposed to be. And this is what you guys need to do. And I'm like, you know what, we, we can't aim at that. Th- those are the byproducts. And those are practical things we should put in place. But unless we have this heart that Paul has, he says, 
I thank Him who, give, who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because He judged me faithful, appointing me to His service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display His perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in Him for eternal life, to the King of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And I was going through that passage and I'm like, that just jumped out at me. Don't worry about all the things you have to do. Like that entire passage from 12 to 17, there's not one thing we have to do other than that we have been appointed to service. But it goes through and it's like, He has given me strength. If you feel weak, if you feel you don't have what it takes, He can give you strength. He will strengthen you. He has strengthened you. He will strengthen you. He will never stop strengthening you. He judged me faithful. When you demand, like, or you deem yourself unfaithful, when you've fallen again and struggled again and you haven't done what you're supposed to, He judged me faithful. He's actually said that you are my faithful ones. He's appointed you to service. doesn't matter how disqualified you feel. He has appointed you to service. You have a role to play that is uniquely crafted for your gifts and ability. You have a role to play. He has appointed you. He's given you mercy. Undeserved mercy. Whatever you did deserve, He's covered over. It's grace overflowing. Overflowing. I just think it reminded me of this, like a silly little example when you get into an interview and they ask for a glass of water and they, they bring you like a glass of water with like a jug and you pour it and you just fill it, but then you overflow it. And then they're like, what are you, uh, you want a job here and you mess like this? No, 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 I always give 110%. <laughs> <laughs> But it's like this. And then it reminded of Rory where it's like, man, don't use a human analogy for grace. Grace is not an overflowing little cup or a bottle being poured out. Grace is a picture of the Niagara Falls pouring and 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 pouring over you. That's grace overflowing. Grace overflowing with faith and love. Grace overflowing with faith and love. It came into the world. Jesus came into the world to save sinners. He didn't come for the good people. He didn't come for the righteous people. He didn't come for the people that have it all together. He came for us, sinners. People that mess up and mess up and mess up and mess up and mess up. And like, even in the times we, we start getting it together, then we start like, hey, I've got it together and they don't. It's like, in that, you, you're already sinning again. And it's like, oh man, like when somebody gives you a, like a badge for humility and you start putting it on it's like oh it's like, well now you're in pride again it's like oh. and then he says we've given mercy again because you need mercy again 
so that he could display his perfect patience. Because the point of that, like those few little verses, talks about Christ Jesus our Lord, or our Lord, Christ Jesus, Christ Jesus, Jesus Christ, the King of ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And in light of that, Paul writes to him and he says, this is the charge that I give you. Warren actually said it this morning, I don't want to charge you. Each of you have a unique way of outworking this charge. For Timothy, it was to actually stand up for the truth and love these people and put leaders in place. And because he was playing a lot of my role and it's like his role was to pray and to preach. To pray and to preach, like not to counsel, not to fix all the problems, not to, to sort everybody's life out, not to sort out, like as much as I'd love to, it's not, not my role. And partly just because I can't, like I don't have the wisdom, I don't have the capacity, I don't have the energy, but I want to play the role that God has given me to play. And I want you to play the role that God has given you to play. But this charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage the good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience. The aim of our charge is love, that issues from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. The aim of our charge is love. The aim of Timothy's charge was love. Like he was called to stand up for the truth but because that was the loving thing, that was the role he was called to play. The aim of your charge is love. The aim of your charge is love. From a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. And how that charge gets worked out is a variety of gifts. Some of it's going to be service. Some of it's going to be noticing the hurt that's around us. And we're going to call people around to actually serve that. Some of it's going to be serving coffee. Not because we need coffee, but to actually love people. Of just creating an environment where it's like, man, we want to do stuff together. And we want to build together. And we want to love each other. And we want to care for each other. And through that, we'll build like this community. But the aim of our charge is love. Lord, I pray that you would help us to see you, that God on the throne. Chatting to Pierre this morning, I was reminded of my grandfather when he would pray. I didn't understand anything else that he was praying. But there was a gravity to him. There was a weightiness. He knew God like that. And we understand God as the God, the immortal, invisible, the only God. Just puts us in our place. Puts our problems, puts our challenges, puts our hurts, puts our pain, puts our sensitivity in its place. And there's something of like when we think of God, you're on your throne, we just want to fall down and say, I am unworthy. But that was the whole reason you came. The mystery of godliness. You came down to make a way, to tear the, the curtain in two, to help us to enter in so that we can boldly approach the throne of grace. 
And we can take communion now because of that. That is why we take communion every single week. Because we are reminded of this mystery of godliness. That this is the God we serve. He was not content for us to be removed. To not content for us to be away from Him. Not content to be in our brokenness and our pain and our hurt and our suffering. That He came to make a way. He came to transform us. He came to die for us. To take our place. So that we can be strengthened. So that we can receive mercy. So that we can receive grace upon grace upon grace overflowing. And strengthened and charged to operate in love. Oh Jesus, thank you for your body that was broken for us. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for that mystery of godliness. It just shows us who you are. You came to show us the Father. You came to show us what God was like. So because of that, our sensitivity from the pain and the hurt can be healed. The sensitivity and the brokenness from our sin, we can confess and find healing and freedom. So that we can operate in the sensitivity of our gift. Set free. Set free for a, a community to benefit from it. Almost unleashed. I pray that you would you just bring such healing. Deliver people from the brokenness that they are struggling with, from the, the sensitivity, from the hurt, from the pain. I pray that you would cultivate a community of love, a household of faith, a pillar and buttress of the truth. You have called us to be that, Lord, and you are making us into that. Jesus' name.